the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Craig Needles. It is the London Free Press Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us for another look at the biggest and most important stories going on in London and the surrounding area. And to help us out with that and talk about COVID-19 is a London Free Press reporter and health reporter, uh, Jennifer Beeman, joining us uh, on the podcast. We are fortunate to get some of Jen's time. Jen, thank you very much for doing this with us today. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, let's talk about where the community is at right now when it comes to COVID-19. Because you've written a piece, which can be found on lfpress.com right now, saying that we might have a worse November than we did April. And April was what we had hoped might have been the peak of the pandemic locally because, you know, things have been shut down in March. We were still getting used to things. But now we're thinking that November, and this is the the headline from your piece, uh, will November surpass April as the cruelest month for Middlesex London? What do we know about that? So, you know, we've got less than two weeks until the end of the month. And, you know, we are averaging for the, you know, up until now in November, about 14 new cases a day. Um, we have to close in to about 341 cases, what we had in April. And, you know, we're within striking distance of that. We've already today just surpassed the October to become the second worst month. Uh, and if things keep going like they're doing uh, and going like they're going, uh, we could certainly beat April's case count, which would not be a good thing at all. Um, we are testing more. That's certainly part of it. But you know, cases continue to climb here. 23 today, 21 yesterday. Um, Dr. Mack yesterday on uh, on Wednesday said he wouldn't be surprised if we get another 100 cases by the end of the month. Uh, that's obviously a significant amount. And I think that people hear 100 cases and think to themselves, oh, that's not that many because I hear about these gaudy case numbers from the United States or even from Toronto or Ottawa. But for what we've been doing here in London and, and, and Middlesex, where we've kind of had a, a steady number, that hasn't gone too out of control, uh, 100 plus cases by the end of the month is uh, is a concerning number to think about, right? 100%. I mean, in August, we were averaging one or two a day most of the time. We had zero days, lots of them in July and August. And August was not that long ago. Uh, it wasn't until mid-September we started to see things really pick up. Um, the cases at Western kind of buoyed that number through, you know, October became our second worst month by case count. And November's uh, on track potentially to beat April's case count. Uh, the one way that November will be slightly better than April is by deaths. Uh, we just have not seen the number of deaths in the second wave, thankfully, that we did in the first. We've had six so far since about October 14th. Um, in November, we've had three so far. So that's, that's one of those like tiny silver linings here is that, you know, this month has proven to be way less deadly than that first wave week. Do health officials have any theories as to why that is? Do we know better how to treat this or the people getting it? Are, are, are they younger or less, uh, uh, less susceptible to uh, the, the, the most uh, uh, grievous, uh, grievous complications or perhaps even deaths when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to COVID-19? Why do we think that might be? Well, you hit the nail right on the head, Craig. It, it is a lot of younger people that are getting it. Uh, today are 23 cases on Thursday that were reported. A lot of them were in young people. Um, there were three, though, that were in the over 80 age group, but primarily in the second wave, you're seeing a lot of younger people get it. Right now, we have no long-term care retirement home outbreaks in London and Middlesex County, which is wonderful. That's when you really start to see a lot of those really brutal health consequences. Um, today, though, London Health Sciences Centre has 11 COVID-19 inpatients. It's the most they've had since June 2nd. 
Uh, I track these numbers on my computer every day. Even on weekends, I like log in just to make sure I've got them. And um, that's that's that. So, you know, things are things are serious. And I, I think people need to kind of understand that even though gyms are open and we can go outside and it's not like as scary and uncertain as April, it's it's the numbers are there. The facts are there. Yeah, the numbers uh, very much are there. And try not to get too lost, my advice is, if you're looking at these in the daily numbers, because we had a zero day and like a two day earlier in the week. But then we've had some other days where the numbers are significantly higher. So you've got to kind of look at the numbers over time as opposed to just uh, uh, one day here and one day there if you want to get a true idea as to what's going on with this. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be swings every day. We had a couple single digit days. Um, but this month has been has been not great. We had a 27 day. And then two days later, we broke the record with 37 new cases. And, you know, that the, the, there just are enough of these cases here um, to be concerned and to really, really re up on your vigilance and, and really recommit to all these guidelines we've been asked to follow. Uh, yeah, certainly so. Uh, where do you think health officials are at right now? And I, I know that you uh, are hearing from them every day and you're keeping track of case counts and things along those lines. Are they uh, nervous about what's to come? I know Dr. Mackey, as you said, uh, has outlined the potential for uh, a significant number of cases coming our way. Are they are they nervous? Are they are, are, are they worried? Do they have optimism? Is it all of those things? Where would you characterize that right now? You know, today on the call, uh, they were saying that, you know, we're we're not the worst, we're on the higher end of that yellow protect category. So it's entirely possible we could see more restrictions, but right now we're we're not quite in that next level of threat yet. So they're just urging people to really, you know, pay attention, really be vigilant, do what you can in your own life to relationship and check in with these people. So, you know, they're, it's anyone's guess how it will go. It will depend really on all of us individually you know, taking the time to, to take this seriously. Um, but yeah, I mean, more restrictions could come if, if we keep continuing to have these bad days. And that's, I think, what people are worried about is, 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 is more restrictions. Now, we may not have a lot of choice there, especially if the areas around us continue to have high numbers of cases. We may have to go into some of these restrictions just because, uh, you know, if, if, if Windsor's in a bad way and if Kitchener and, and Toronto are in a bad way, well, we're so close to all those places that we might have to sort of follow their lead. Is that a possibility? Well, last week they were saying that, you know, one of the big things they were happy about, they were, we moved into yellow protect, um, or I guess it's yellow, or yeah, yellow something. Yeah, we're, yeah, orange yeah, is yeah, restrict, yeah. Yellow is protect, yeah. green is prevent. Prevent, um, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, when we got moved into yellow, you know, our, our local health officials here were saying, we're really glad that Toronto is moving into red. And it's because so much of what happens here is is linked to kind of that travel we're a mobile sort of area and if windsor is in a bad way and toronto is in a bad way um you want them to really control it there so that we don't get these kinds of little you know overlaps here so uh, you know i'd hope that if the situation stabilizes in those places we could avoid the more strict stringent really soul-crushing lockdowns um, but really again it, it just comes down to individual people like i don't leave the house very much I know most of my family, if we don't really see each other at all face to face, that's so important. I just feel like people, um, you know, it really rests with all of us to, to make the right call. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same space. Uh, I, I leave the house to do groceries and go for walks and that's about it. That's really all I do. Um, <laughs> it just is, um, it's, it's not fun. Nobody wants this. Nobody's happy about this. 
but health officials would tell you this is the this is the best advice going forward here. And if you don't want there to be further lockdowns, I would strongly recommend you follow that advice. Exactly. The virus needs people to spread. So if you're spending time with others, if you're being kind of willy nilly with, you know, your contacts, that's that's a certainly a risk. Uh, now, when it comes to what's going on at London Health Sciences Center. And you say willy-nilly. I don't, that word wasn't used in an email <laughs> that was obtained by the London Free Press. But there was an email obtained by the London Free Press where hospital leadership has said they've got some concerns with the way that hospital staffers are handling or perhaps not handling this COVID-19 outbreak. What have we learned about that? Well, you know, the chief executive, Paul Woods, kind of threw down the gauntlet today. And he said, hey, listen up, all of you. The way that we were acting in the summer where we would get together for lunch and hang out and things were not so hot and scary, um, you know, th- those days are gone. Uh, I guess what, what he's seeing, what that, that, you know, hospital is seeing from the internal memo we saw today was that, you know, they're, they're seeing staff that are still a little bit too lackadaisical, a little bit too relaxed with their, with their restrictions. Um, so they, they're threatening. They're saying, hey, listen, we need to do better. They've had 14 14 cases. It's now 15 today. And there's 55 others under investigation. They've had two outbreaks declared last week at University Hospital. Um, It's not a good situation when a hospital is dealing with that kind of thing. They've got enough to deal with already, let alone, you know, their own kind of internal um, outbreaks and things. So, you know, it's, they're taking it very, very seriously. They're getting the message out to staff, listen up. This is really important. We need to change our behavior to reflect what we're seeing now. And I think that's very, very good advice, and you can understand that, because let's be honest here, these people that are in the hospital system that are working there every day, uh, some of them may be exposed to COVID-19 patients, or perhaps you're exposed to someone who, uh, someone else who happens to have been exposed, or whatever it happens to be, and this virus, as we know, can spread pretty quickly if people are spending time together and not following the rules. So obviously, hospital employees have to keep going to work, and we want them to keep going to work. But I guess the suggestion for Paul Woods here is you've got to be careful even when you're here, even when you think you may not have to be careful. Please be careful. The one thing we hear over and over again, even not just in hospitals, but in other places is, you know, service sector, public facing jobs is your risk. Sure, it's, it's customers coming into your store or people coming into your hospital, but it's also your interactions with other staff members and people you talk to at lunch, people you eat with, people you go on breaks with. And so you need to be just as vigilant around these people. And I think that's just a reminder today. Um, They just wanted to get it out there and say, hey, listen, this is important. This is going to become a big, big problem if we don't all really start to recommit, rethink about what we're doing. Um, And, you know, it's good that they are um, at this point. Hospitalizations have been going, rising a little bit at at LHSC. Um, It's not stressing the system right now, but, you know, they're higher than they've been in the past. And so uh, there's really no better time to get this message out there to their 15,000 people. Because we've seen in other jurisdictions where it very much does stress the system, and clearly that's what they want to avoid here in London. But based on what we're hearing from hospital workers right now and from public health officials, we're not concerned that there's a significant problem when it comes to availability of care and treatment at London Health Science Centre right now? Correct. Yes. Which is very, very good for us. Yes. And I mean, and that's that's one of those indicators that would push us up into those those more strict provincial restrictions like orange or red or God forbid lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad that the hospital though, did take the step today to say to its staff, we need to take this very, very seriously. We need to set an example for our community. The one big tragedy of anything like 
like a pandemic like COVID-19 is that it affects frontline healthcare workers and they are the bread and butter of, of getting us through this. Um, so you don't want and under any circumstances, sick healthcare workers, uh, like that, that's just, that's horrible. Mm -hmm. That, that affects all of us. So I'm really, really glad that they've stepped up and kind of thrown the gauntlet down, drawn a line in the sand, said this ends now. Right. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I, I'm glad as well. Um, and, and the words wake up call were used, uh, I can't remember if you used them already in our conversation, but I know they're in your piece on, uh, on lfpress.com wake up call ha has been used. And I think that's the exact type of terminology we want to be using here, which is, Hey, everybody, we've got to be a little bit smarter about this here. Let's get it together because, uh, things have changed certainly since July and August. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a bit difficult for people though. Um, stuff is open. I can go see a movie if I wanted to. And yep. I mean, I, I go to the gym and I have a trainer and we wear masks and he stands far away. Um, it's different than April. It looks different where I'm able to go outside and do things. And I'm a little less afraid than I was maybe, but you know, the case counts are still there. The risk is still there. That hasn't changed. The way that this virus can threaten our system hasn't changed. Um, so I think that might might be kind of a difficult adjustment for people that even though they're able to leave the house more, you know, it's and it psychologically feels a little different. It's still the same threat. Um, it just looks a little our, our lives just look a little different than April. How do you think the next few weeks might go, not from a case count perspective, but from a perspective of what we're hearing from public health officials? I know that you, you hear from them frequently and you hear from uh, uh, the mayor and, and, and uh, uh, the warden in, in Middlesex County. Uh, what do you think the messaging might sound like when it, for the next little while here? Well, there's a big day coming up, Christmas Day, mm -hmm. and just the holiday season in general. And I really think that's something we're going to be hearing a lot more from these uh, officials on in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you've already started to hear a bit of it. They're trying to get people's heads around the idea that you can't have a big get together, really limit your contacts. And I really think in the next few weeks, we're going to be seeing that message being really driven home on all levels. And, and they'll make some suggestions about virtual get togethers and things. But, um, you know, I, I think that that is kind of the next frontier for, for what we're going to be discussing and thinking about and planning for in the next few weeks. Um, because, yeah, it, it's going to be a big change. I mean, anytime mm -hmm. you've had a holiday through this pandemic, there's almost a sense of loss there when Easter came and we weren't able to do things and Mother's Day and then Thanksgiving. And so Christmas will be kind of the big moment. Um, you know, regardless of how case counts go in the next couple of weeks, we're still in an active global pandemic. So um, I see that them really, really driving home the point of, of being very, very vigilant and careful. And, and, and you mentioned the different holidays. Use Father's Day as an example. Father's Day for a lot of people was you're in the backyard having a barbecue and you're trying to keep socially distant, which is different than what we're used to, but at the same time, not entirely different from what we're used to. Backyard barbecue for Father's Day is a pretty standard thing that a lot of us have done, pandemic or no. There's no backyard barbecue option for Christmas. And that's that's the thing that gets gets you a little bit as you're thinking to yourself, are people going to be as willing to slightly change their holiday because we're not going to be able to get together and see each other face to face because it's probably going to be pretty cold outside. And hey, maybe we're going to have a delightfully nice Christmas. I don't know. But it's not going to be a situation where you want to be spending out in the back deck in all likelihood. Well, and that's, that's I guess, the biggest thing. We can't very easily adapt Christmas as well as we can adapt Father's Day, right. Mother's Day, Thanksgiving. And and I think that, that that'll be an adjustment for people. Also, you're dealing with, you know, we're, we're seven months, eight months into this, and you're dealing with people who are tired. They've they've given up, you know, so much Thanksgivings and mm -hmm. birthdays and Easter's and all yep. this kind of stuff. And 
you know, I, I worry that people will just throw caution to the wind or use their own way, you know, kind of use some creative thinking to justify getting together with extended family just to, you know, justify in their own hearts. But, um, you know, that's, that's going to be the next thing that really um, we're going to start hearing a lot more of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. As people are going to try to try to, to, to pretzel logic, different things. And Hey, if I do this or, or this person does that, is this going to be okay? And the answer is highly unlikely to be, unless you're willing to isolate for two weeks before and two weeks after. I, I, I think that's the, that, that's, that's the way to look at it. And I don't think that's going to be on the table for most people. Uh, I don't think we're going to have school put on pause around then. We heard some mixed messages from the government about that, but uh, I don't think that's the way this is going to go down. So uh, it just might be a situation where, you know, it's one Christmas. We've got these vaccinations that are close. We're going to be in a lot better shape in the spring. It looks like. So if we can just not do this one Christmas, we're probably all going to be a lot better off in the long run. 100%. Yeah, we've got, and, and the news of the vaccine was just a little bit of like Christmas joy. I, I felt this week and last week when those, those things came out, uh, still nothing published or peer reviewed on it. But, you know, just, just the idea that it's less of a question of, of if and more of a question of when, which I think for the first time in a long time, we haven't really had any because, yeah, it just the risk is pretty great. Yeah, the risk is definitely uh, definitely pretty great. And I think we've all just got to keep uh keep pushing through and I know you said people are tired people are burned out and just before we wrap up here Jen it's it's gonna have to be a situation where even though people are tired and people are burned out we we just got to keep at this for not that much longer we can we can do this for a couple of more months and 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 then we should be okay but yeah for the for 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 this winter it's just not going to be fun it's going to be lonely for a lot of people it's going to be difficult for a lot of people it's going to be difficult for me you think my parents don't want to see my kids for for Christmas of course they do you think my wife's parents don't want to absolutely they do but it's just going to be really difficult for all of us to sort of say hey we're just going to have to do it via zoom this year and and and, and that's going to be uh that's going to be the situation so we just you know we, we give back the next few months but we're going to be okay long term we just got to keep focused i guess right yeah i mean next time if we do what we need to do now to keep people safe to keep cases low to keep hospitalizations low it means that in at easter we won't have an empty seat around the table yeah Exactly. That's uh, a fantastic way to phrase it. Anything else you want to add or uh, or anything else you're keeping an eye on, Jennifer, before we wrap up here as far as your coverage of COVID-19 here in uh, London and Middlesex County? Uh, you know, with me, it's all about case counts every day. I like to mm-hmm. kind of track those really closely in hospitalizations, too. Um, you know what? Anything can happen on this beat. Um, it's been a, a very busy bunch of months for me. Um, so I, I don't ever know what's coming down the line, but I'll certainly be watching out for restrictions and how we are how our stat measure up to that restriction matrix the province released. Um, so right now we're, we're solid yellow, um, but you know, I'll, I'll certainly be watching to see if we creep closer to orange. I uh, very much hope we can stay in solid yellow or even get to green if things go really well, but I think that might be asking too much. So we'll probably be sticking it, hopefully, fingers crossed, be sticking in the yellow uh, yellow spot for a little while here. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much uh, uh, for giving us a few minutes uh, here on the London Free Press podcast. Glad that you could do that. Anytime. Thanks so much. That's Jennifer Beeman, health reporter with the London Free Press. Uh, You can find a couple of stories she's written the last few days. One about how case counts and other metrics in November might be as bad or worse than the ones we had in April. And also about that letter, that internal letter sent to staff at London Health Sciences Center. And the headline there is LHSC boss scolds rule-breaking staff as infections rise. That is all the time we've got here on the London Free Press podcast. Thank you very much for listening and subscribing, those of you who do. Uh, 
if you are catching us on YouTube and you want us to be sent right to your phone every time we put up a new episode, subscribe on Spotify or on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. Those are the places to get us. Just search London Free Press Podcast on those mediums and you can find us very easily there. And of course, you can find us uh, every episode on lfpress.com. Thank you very much to Jennifer Beamer for being our guest today. Thank you very much to everyone who's listening today and we will talk to you next time on the London Free Press Podcast.